This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Hey, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. There's Salt Lamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball. Baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. They just feeds off the sweeper to try to get strikeouts to righties. Uh-huh. He got a fly ball. This went deep to left field. He kissed this one goodbye. He's number Whoa. two, baby. Justin Turner with his 11th. Just talking about the lack of home runs against Gray, and then Turner crushes one. We jinxed him. There we go. I love it. And a redhead does it. And an old redhead, just like me. <laughs> I'm going to call the Red Sox, Steve. I get a two-year contract. All right, it's not every day you get to have home run call a day from Bill Burr, comedian Bill Burr, legendary comedian Bill Burr. He was in the booth with Dave O'Brien, Kevin Nucleus. That was Justin Turner going deep for the Red Sox. Red Sox, see, there's win streak snapped at six games but you know what some other win streaks were not snapped most notably you had the Atlanta Braves they still won seven in a row and the team that everybody's talking about the team that we did an entire podcast on well at least Ellie De La Cruz their their rookie phenom and this is the Cincinnati Reds Cincinnati Reds extend their streak to 11 wins in a row and that is the longest said streak for that franchise since 1957 so it's kind of a big deal and speaking of big deals injuries are always a big deal and we're going to take the time in this podcast to give you some insight that you probably aren't going to get anywhere else and that's in large part because the guy that we're going to have on dr rick lehman the director of the u.s center for sports medicine in st louis we want to find out what's going on with some of the most notable injuries in baseball and also what's going on with the landscape of injuries in baseball. You're going to listen to Dr. Lehman and you're going to say, I did not know that or this opened my eyes or just thank you for 
coming on this podcast and telling me what's what. It's not he does not only gets into Jake Degrom and wh- how he feels about having a second Tommy John surgery or the brace surgery that Trevor Story is going through, or why guys like Anthony Rendon ke- keep getting hurt, but also some very very important conversation about how misguided some of these coaches and athletes and parents are when it comes to this injuries. This is an important podcast. This is a great podcast. Subscribe, rate, review. At BB isn't boring. Other socials. Producer Evan doing a fantastic job. We're going to keep the podcast coming. We're going to keep the entertainment, the inf- information, all of it coming. Also, of course, the book, A Damn Near Perfect Game. Go buy that. I'm on my way to Chicago to see the Godfather. That would be, of course, Joe Kelly. But why I'm traveling well, I know I'm going to list, re-listen to this podcast because it's it's a good one. Dr. Rick Lehman, soak it in, check it out. You'll be smarter because of it. There's nobody I'd rather have on right now than Dr. Richard Lehman, um, the medical director of U.S. Sports, Med- Sports Medicine Center in St. Louis, and, um, and one of the most respected orthopedists in the entire country, in the entire world. Um, because I do not, I can only look at this stuff, doctor, from afar, and I feel like sometimes that I, I, I'm on the verge of having some medical degree because we have to deal with so many injuries covering the great game of baseball. But you are, gonna, you are able to take it next level. First of all, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm excited, and uh, it's kind of an honor. So thank you. Okay. Well, the first question we ask everybody, um, and like I said, there's no wrong answers, is, <laughs> is why isn't – baseball boring and a lot of times when i ask that particularly in loud clubhouses the players will say is isn't is it no isn't boring why isn't baseball boring for wrong no again no wrong answers what's your take on it well you know i'm looking at it quite a bit different than everybody else i'm looking at it at the biomechanics of throwing the biomechanics of stealing a base i spent a lot of time when lou brock was alive looking at the biomechanics of stealing bases. And obviously I've seen innumerable number of uh, MLB pitchers. So for me, it's not boring because I'm looking at it at a biomechanical uh, point of view. And I find the whole thing tremendously interesting, you know, stressing the ulnar collateral ligament maximally with every pitch, rotation, bat speed. So all these nerdy numbers that people look at, they're my home base and I love it. And, And that's why I like baseball. That is so good. And within that answer, I thought of about 10 questions off, off the top of my head. So I'm just, before I forget them, because we do want to get into some particular, some specifics, some players, but you had mentioned Lou Brock and you had mentioned, you know, obviously one of the greatest base dealers of all time. And we had this conversation with Charlie Blackman, of the Rockies just the other day about one of the great things about baseball is, oh my goodness, you still have the same dimensions, but you have, a, a, a totally different athlete, yet you still have these plays that are the exact same closeness or, 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 you know, it's amazing. So when you look at a Lou Brock, what is the biggest difference in terms of the physical ability of today's play? I know I'm generalizing, but like you said, like, is, what is the biggest difference when it comes to the, the baseball player of today compared to someone like Lou Brock, who you say you walk in the street and say, oh, yeah, you know, he's he, – he looks like he's in shape, but he's really, at that time, he was one of the preeminent athletes in all of baseball. Well, you know, it's interesting. I just spent a lot of time with Vince Coleman, who's another base dealer. Mm. And, and these guys, you know, 
they're basically when they played, they worked out, they trained, they lifted a little bit, but they were not like athletes of today. Athletes of today are very focused in on their numbers, on their weight training, on their fast switch fibers, and they have so many metrics that they're looking at. Baseball trajectory when you hit it, first step. And and so, one, I think the athletes are much, much more overtrained. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, a lot of people say, hey, you really think that? Yeah, I think they're overtrained. And I think that's why we see so many injuries. And we can talk about specifics, um, imbalances, et cetera. Number two, these guys are just pure athletes. I mean, Vince Coleman, I'm sure he could dunk a basketball. I'm sure he could hit a baseball. He could probably score a goal on ice skates. I mean, these guys are just great athletes. Lou is just a great athlete. He can do anything. And and I think you have great athletes today, but I think the specialization is so early and we're specializing our muscles so early that it's a completely different dynamic. So the game has changed, as you know. Woody ball, whatever you want to call it, stealing bases, bunting. You know, when's the last time you saw somebody do a suicide squeeze bunt? Probably never. Hmm. Um, but back in the day, you know, you did that. And and so I think the athletes are, are overtrained, but they're very specifically trained for the sport. And I think their, mus- their muscle mass is much greater. The flexibility is worse. And their dynamics, their strength, their rotational speed is much greater. So what have we given up? We've given up mobility and flexibility for strength. And for today's game, when everything is dingers and power, you know, it works. You know, it's funny because as you're talking, I'm thinking of things that I want to ask, and then you answer them, and particularly about the overtraining. I I remember going out to a place called Athletes Performance. It's called Exos now. And, and this is where all the athletes went. And it was great. You know, you, you get together as athletes and you train for the season. But there was that conversation because some of those guys broke down that you're, you're overtraining, you're overtraining. But the question I have for you is, you touched on it at the end there, is that everything now you're told early on for a baseball player is power. Throw harder, hit the ball farther. Everything is power, 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 power. You're not throwing hard enough. You're not hitting it far enough. And that's the only way you're going to get acknowledged. Where, like you said, you know, the the art of you're not never going to get signed by bunting or you're never going to get signed you really you're never going to be signed for a lot of times people are devalued because you aren't you don't even get the, in the door a lot of times doctor until you show that you have that power and that's a scary thing when you talk about overtraining right well it, it, so so let's let's walk it back a minute for a kid who's playing high school baseball so greg maddox he probably couldn't make a lot of these teams High school teams, you're throwing 83, maybe paying the corners, but no one cares about that. They only care about your velocity. So what are you trying to do? You're trying to throw harder. You're trying to throw harder. You're trying to throw harder. So now you're 17 years old or 16 years old. You want to get a D1 scholarship. You want to get drafted, whatever. And what are your mechanics? Your your mechanics are trying to throw harder or trying to increase bat speed, hit the ball harder. So how are you going to do that? You're going to strengthen. So what does everybody do? Everybody overtrains, and then everybody gets hurt. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I get rich. So the bottom (laughs) line is um, I think the art of pitching is gone. I mean, a, a guy who throws 100 is a premium and, you know, whether he can get the ball over the plate or not is almost secondary at this point. But everybody's got the gun on these kids and the push is to throw, like you said, harder and harder and hit the ball further and hit the ball harder with better trajectory. And to do that, you have to do things 
that are going to cause you to break down. So, so as you're trying to throw harder and, and these pressure pitches, you know, it's three and two in the seventh inning, the bases are loaded. What we call pressure pitches put so much stress on the elbow and the shoulder. Yes. These kids are going to break down because that's a pitch you're going to try to throw 97, 98 when they really can only comfortably throw 93 and maybe four miles an hour isn't much to the fan, but if you're a sports doctor, Four miles an hour is, you know, you won the gold medal at the Olympics or you're, you're in the stands. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're at the grocery store bagging groceries. So the bottom line is the push is all just like you said, put the gun on these kids early. You know, dad will come in, the kid's 14. Hey, he's throwing 83 miles an hour. Well, maybe that's good, but probably I'm going to reconstruct his elbow in two years. So maybe <laughs> it's not that good. And, and, and that's where the game's going. When Lou Brock was playing, you know, infield hits were a thing bunting was a thing uh hitting it hitting in the gap and scoring runs were things you know the game's completely changed but he wasn't a power guy in terms of hey i gotta lift i gotta lift i gotta get stronger and you know not not to change sports you're seeing it in golf you're seeing it in tennis so it's it's transcending all sports that's interesting you're seeing in other sports i mean obviously you have people coming to your office and <laughs> probably multiple times and like, hey, listen, I know that you got to come. You got to. You're feeling you got to keep up with everybody, but, but just trust me on this one. For the long haul, stretch out a little bit. You know, really. I mean, it's not easy, especially for kids. And this is another thing for kids more than ever. Little Johnny has the YouTube clip of the Instagram post. I got to keep up with a kid across the street, and you probably see that a lot too, right? All the time, and 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 I think I think a lot of. You know, all the statistics that we keep, you know, are, are, are pushing these kids to try to reach a goal that maybe some can reach and some can't reach, but they're certainly going to get hurt trying. All right. So let's get into specifics in terms of some major leaguers here. And and obviously, the, some of the names we're going to bring up have had great success, but they've been derailed by injuries. The first one I want to bring up is Jacob DeGrom. And um, what's sort of interesting about him other than being really good is that now we're on the second Tommy John surgery. And, um, and one of the things that you're hearing more and more um, is, Oh, that guy, that kid had Tommy John when he was a freshman in high school, he got it out of the way. But now we're, now we're seeing now a second ones. And what's, what's your take on, on basically the elbow, a guy like DeGrom, when you hear that for a second time, do you think, okay, you got your second one down? Nathan Avaldi did the same thing, and he's pitching fairly well now. You got your second one out of the way. Oh, there you go. You're on your way. Or is it, oh, man, this is not trending in the right direction? So, so it's a good question. The, the first thing you have to say, about 25% of all Major League Baseball players, 30% are going to end up with a TJ, Tommy John reconstruction. That's a pretty high number. Number two – Everybody thinks, hey, if I get Tommy John, I'm going to throw harder, which is a misconception. And number three, and probably to answer your question, the chances of pitching three years after your second TJ, after your second Tommy John, is not that great. So, yes, some guys come back and just sail. And then some guys you never hear of again. They just can't make it back. And that number is a higher percentage than you think. So a second Tommy John's not a good thing something called a brace, an internal brace. I put synthetic uh, material to augment my Tommy Johns because I know that these guys are going to try to throw 90, 100 miles an hour, and I want to make the ligament as strong as possible. And I think that has helped A, the rehab, and B, 
to limit the number of failures of our reconstructions. We don't really see it as frequently. But still, if you're going to throw 90, I mean, DeGrom and this guy was throwing, what, 97? Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy was unbelievable. He's untouchable. But again, if you drive your car 200,000 miles as fast as you can, something's going to happen, and that's, and that's what's happened. But I think specifically a second Tommy John surgery is not like the first. It's not getting it out of the way. It's now I'm on the ledge. I may be able to come back. I may not be able to come back. And I'm certainly not going to perform as well as I did before I had my second TJ. Now, there's going to be outliers, and there's going to be that guy that just lights it up or changes his pitching pattern or picks up a new pitch. Um, and, and, and clearly that does happen. But the ability to throw hard and have endurance diminishes after a second reconstruction. After So you have that person in your office, you just had the second TJ, and and they're, they look at, like you said, an outlier, maybe like an Evaldi or someone like that. But you say these things to them. Say, this is how it's going to feel compared to the first one. What is that conversation like? Because all they have to go by is maybe like hoping for the best and also what they felt like after that first one. What was that conversation like after that second Tommy John for a guy like DeGrom, especially in his mid-30s? So it's a completely different dynamic. Number one, you paint a little bit of a crepe and you say, you know, I don't know if you're going to come back. We're going to do everything we can. Number two, in this practice, we would be very heavily uh, slanted towards biologics, PRP, MS, and chymal stem cells. So we want to augment that second graft to make it as viable as we possibly can, most vibrant. You know, we're going to put fertilizer on your lawn. We want this thing to be the best it can be. The third thing is, and this is probably the most important, you can't come back like you came back after the first time frame. You've got to go slower. You have to make sure the ligament's stable. You make you have to make sure there's no arthritis because there's going to be a little arthritis pitching, you know, in your 30s regardless. And then the last thing is you have to increase your velocity commensurate with your shoulder strength and your core strength. So if you have a deficiency in your core and you can't rotate or your posterior shoulder is weak, and you try to throw hard, what's going to happen? You're going to compensate. And where are you going to compensate? You're going to overload your elbow. So those components become unbelievably more important in the second Tommy John. So, hey, you're not going to come back as fast. We're going to see you more frequently. We're going to do more testing. We're going to inject your elbow with a bunch of stuff, PRP, doesn't matter. They're not really interested in what it is, but we're going to do everything we can to have the best biologic ligament we can have. And we're going to monitor you to make sure that you're not going and doing a bunch of stuff that's biomechanically not going to work. Do you, do you have kids, high schooler kids, and maybe even parents coming in and saying, hey, his elbow's a little banged up. We want the Tommy John surgery. Or is that mean, oh, really? Really? I mean, they'll call up and they'll say, hey, you know, Larry's throwing 86 and if he gets a tommy john he can throw 96 does he have any problems with his elbow no we just want him to throw harder and and, you know and then after you get done scratching your head and dropping the phone you pick the phone back up and say that's you can't operate on your son's normal elbow or your daughter's normal elbow (laughs) oh my goodness that happens twice a week does it really wow all the time that's what are we on tv i'll give a tv interview and people will call and they'll say hey we think we you know we can throw harder if 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 you put a new ligament in another ligament in the ligament you have is fine until you tear it <laughs> yeah, more ligaments doesn't equal better performance no. i have five ligaments i'm the best um 
But uh, and then so another procedure, which is I guess relatively new, is the, this brace surgery sort of that you know uh, most recent example, Trevor Story, the Boston Red Sox having. Now he's not a pitcher. Um, now Rich Hill, the first time this became aware to me, and this is the the surface level way of viewing this. Uh, it's not Tommy John, and it'll get you back faster. But it's not Tommy John. But it's sort of like Tommy John. But Rich Hill was the first one that I heard about it. And he's done very well with it. And he's he swears by it. He's pitching well and great. Now Trevor Story's coming back um, from it. What can you tell me about that and what you can expect in terms of coming back from that? So so let's walk it back for a second. So, so an internal brace is you're putting in um, a, a fiber tape. Fiber tape is synthetic tape. It's two millimeters thick and it's dipped in collagen so it's organic and you're fixing it with an anchor on both sides of the elbow so you're putting the ligament exactly where you would put a reconstruction the palmaris uh, a hamstring whatever you're going to use for the reconstruction but it's synthetic and it's as strong as it's going to be as soon as you put it in so the reason you come back quicker is you don't need revascularization you don't need blood flow you put this bad boy in it's strong so you come back quicker the problem with it is it can't heal. So if you go out and you stress your elbow when you're resting on your days off, blood flow comes in and any breakdown you have of your ulnar collateral ligament heals. You know, your skin heals, your bones heal. You run, go out for a run, you break the bone down, and when you're resting, it heals because there's blood supply. So you don't really get any healing. So you come back much quicker, but the ligament is as strong as it is the day you put it in and can only break down. Mm. And the internal brace has been great for us. What we do is we repair the natural ligament, put stitches in it and repair it, and then and, and augment it with the, the IV, the internal brace. And we have found we can rehab much quicker. We can come back much quicker. And in the right circumstances, you can load it really much better. Now, the problem is when you fail and they – a certain percentage, it says mass, certain percentage are going to fail, mm-hmm. then you have to go back and do a conventional TJ, conventional mm. Tommy John with whatever ligament of your choice. Everyone has a different thought. Mm. I use hamstring. I think the bigger ligaments are better, but some people use the old Palmaris that Dr. Job used and double it. I mean, there's all kinds of variations and everybody has their own experience. We've done a lot of these, so we think we have a system, but everyone thinks they have a system. And I think that when you when you put the internal brace in, and we've done quite a few of those, it's better for a position player, it's better for a quarterback, it's better for a javelin thrower. It's a little touchy on a pitcher if the ligament is completely deficient. So normally you want to repair the ligament and get a good repair and then add the internal brace on top of that for a pitcher. Trevor Story, you know, the 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 it's the the, the end of the story is not done yet. Mm. You know, he's he's not He's not perfect. No, well, I mean, we'll find, you know, and the fact is that he wanted to go to, it's interesting, he wanted to go to shortstop, which, you know, of all the positions, if you're a position player, that's the one that you okay, okay, you better make sure that this thing works. So, uh, and I would imagine also now that this, like I said, well, the first time I heard about it was that it was, I'm sure it was around a lot longer before I heard about it, but 2020, Rich Hill had it. Um, but now, three years later, it's become more accepted, as you said. 
do you get a lot of people coming in now and saying, hey, I want that brace thing because I don't want to go through the the Tommy John thing. I want that brace thing. And you must you maybe you tell them, say, that's all well and good, but you really need the Tommy John. Well, I mean, I, I think it's a good, good, really good question. Each has their indications and, and you can't you can't mix in that. So if you have somebody that has no that has a complete tear of their ulnar collateral ligament and you internally brace them and you don't put a ligament in and you're going to have them throw hard, the ligament's going to fail. The, mm. the brace will fail because, again, remember, it's not it has no blood flow. It's not biologic. On the other hand, if the ligament is going to heal, you're going to repair it, and the ligament's going to heal, or you're going to put in a small graft and then brace it, then all you're doing is supporting a structure that's kind of work that's going to work. You know, what's the upside? The upside is these kids are throwing really pretty well at 10, 12 weeks, mm. so they're back instead of a year. And, you know, people say, well, I came back at seven months, eight months, and, and that can happen. But you also have to think about the physiology, right? You need blood supply, you need the ligament to heal, you need the ligament to be back as strong as it needs to be. And that's going to take a certain amount of time. So even though a lot of these kids at four or five months feel like they can throw hard, the ligament hasn't really healed enough, hasn't have enough blood supply, enough strength to warrant that kind of stress. And that's sometimes why they fail. And also, I would imagine that so there's more recently this season, there's an example of a guy coming back insanely quick from a Tommy John surgery, which is Bryce Harper. Yeah. And and I've talked to GMs about this, about how, hey, that's great. It's a great story. He's doing all right. But now everybody was is going to be compared to him. I've heard already. I mean, and, and I don't know what your take on how quick he came back from it. If, if, is it just a matter of everybody's different? Every recovery is different? We hear this about Tommy John anyway, right? That it's, you, it can be nine months, it can be 12 months, it can be whatever. But when you hear the Bryce Harper situation, do you just say, hey, listen, that's an outlier? Well, I, I think, you know, it's a bell-shaped curve, and, you know, Bryce Harper's an outlier. He's not a pitcher. Um and, you know, I, I remember going through this thing with, with Adrian Peterson coming back at six months after an ACL. And everybody was like, oh, that's amazing. Hmm. Well, he's one of, you know, 100. And and the other 97, you know, it took nine to 12 months. So, yes, Bryce Harper's an outlier. And, and he has done unbelievably well. I'll, there, there was a guy named Kenny Daly came back hmm. from his TJ, I think, in seven months. And, you know, Kenny's a very you know one of my best buddies and he said look it just felt great etc cetera, etc cetera. and then you get the guy that comes in at seven months and they want to be like bryce harper kenny daly and they're like you know my elbow's stiff i'm having pain i'm throwing 31 miles an hour i can't brush my teeth okay so again you know some cars go fast and some cars go slow and it's 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 just a matter of probably genetics And it's such a good answer and such a good take because I think it's we are we are a lot of this conversation has been comparing uh, ourselves to others, you know, which is a dangerous thing in sports. And you must see it all the time. Um, One of the things I want to talk about is we see guys uh, in baseball who in Major League Baseball who are just constantly hurt. And we see Anthony Rendon, we see Steven Strasburg, and they're all different situations. And I sort of wanted to bring those guys in the conversation, but I guess the maybe a way to do it is you see the athletes when you, for instance, there's the MLB scouting combine going on right now. When you look at a, these guys, 
Is there things that you're looking at? <laughs> is there things that you're looking at when it comes to because every Steven Strasburg signs this, this both those guys sign enormous contracts. They don't know that they're going to get hurt, but they end up getting hurt. Is there something for you that you see, you look at whether pitchers or position players or just athletes in general, this is sort of what I'm looking for in the way their body moves. Absolutely. So, you know, you know, there, there's sort of two, two schools of thought or two groups. One group is a guy that's been hurt and a guy that's never been hurt. Um, when I was a team physician, I was, I was a team physician at St. Louis Blues and, and I was a team physician of Tampa Bay and then the Florida Panthers for years. And, and, and a part owner. And, and what we would look at is we would look at imbalances. We had the least misman games of any team uh, almost uniformly as a team doctor. The reason is in the, the offseason, we would look at imbalances. And you, you could predict a guy that had whatever, weak hip flexors, weak hamstrings. You, you, you would understand where the stresses are going to be dissipated. And you had an opportunity in the offseason to address that. So, when you're looking at uh, an Anthony Rendon who's had every kind of soft tissue, groin strains, adductor problems, knees, et cetera, you have to think that there's some imbalance. And, and I will sometimes bring my therapist and, and a biomechanics, biomechanics expert and say, all right, what are we missing here? Where is the imbalance? What's likely to get hurt? You know, what, where is the weak link in the system? And I think a lot of times you can figure that out. So, you know, an oblique injury. Those are things that guys have an imbalance. And if you can address that in, in, in the off season and almost treat them like they have the problem to avoid the problem, you're going to be very successful. A groin strain, very frequently it's pelvic imbalance, tight hip flexors, no rotation in the back, but you got to spend the time and do it. And it takes a while. So a lot of what I do today as I take care of world-class track athletes, the greatest track athletes in the world. And we spend an unbelievable amount of time looking at video of people run, jump over hurdles, jump in the sand pits, jump up in the air. And, and the, the, the biomechanics of looking at a 3D analysis of how somebody trains gives you so much information. So if you break down someone's baseball swing or how they run or how they rotate and you look at it in slow motion and you look and then you examine that athlete and you look at imbalances, you know, you can do a pretty good job saying, you know what, this is the weak link in the system. This guy is prone to tear his hamstring or pull his hamstring. This guy is possibly going to have an adductor strain. And I think you got to spend the time to do it. And when we did it with the Blues, we had very few misman games. We had very few soft tissue injuries. And then some guys are just prone. You know, they're just, mm. you know, they just got bad. As good as some guys have a good deal, they got a bad deal. And, you know, they have imbalances that aren't corrected. No one's addressed it. And they're just destined to sign. You know, they did great. They signed huge contracts and didn't play. I don't think Rendon's played 60 games the whole time. Mm. Um been on the DL and and he'll continue to be I think because he just has never gotten that hey this is what we have to look at this is what we have to strengthen and this is what we have to look forward to and if we do all these things this is the result
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Doctor, the last thing is, is I was going to ask, oh, I had two questions. We're going to morph them together. It was the, the next big thing. Like the, when we look at, when we look at this is what the next thing we're going to do in terms of training athletes. And when I say that we're going to morph the questions together, this is a very simplistic way of looking at it. I, I was up doing the Red Sox radio broadcast and we were talking about sprained ankles. And they said, um, my partner says, yeah, you know, they aren't icing sprained ankles anymore. I'm like, what? Like, what are they, aren't I? It's so like, oh, the, yeah, they're looking at sprained ankles a different way. And this fascinates me, <laughs> the fact that, 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 that something we're being told all these years, all these years, they're looking at a different way. So I guess those are, those are really two questions. As have they ever evolved in terms of treating sprained ankles? And also, what is the next thing you see in terms of the way, the effective way that athletes can be trained, particularly baseball players? So, so I think you have, to, you have to use the technology that we have. And, and the technology that I see, um, something called Dorsa V, um, using AI, using 3D motion analysis, and trying to understand the, the, the exact biomechanics. It doesn't matter if you're running to first base, you're running 100 meters, but understanding what breaking it down into the most simplistic biomechanical motions to improve those motions so if you want to run faster you know the simplistic way to run faster is be on the ground less right the more you're in the air the faster you run i mean gotta be so what 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 do your what does your body have to do and and how does it generate torque and i think that's where we're going I also think if I know someone's going to pull their hamstring or their propensities to pull their hamstring, I'm going to PRP them and give them mesenchymal stem cells in the off season. And when the season starts in anticipation of this, so they don't pull their hamstring. Hmm. So I think the big, the next big things are under, using AI to understand what the propensities are, right? So you take an athlete, you put in all the data, what, what is his most likely injury going to be? And where is the weak link in the system? And then let's treat, let's treat that in the beginning so we don't have to treat that later. We don't really want to treat it a week before the Super Bowl or the week before the World Series. We want to treat it in the offseason so we don't have to see it. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, and this is what I think, I think you're going to see monoclonal antibodies, and you're hearing it here first, hmm. treating a lot of these um, – I'm going to call them soft tissue injuries, and that's kind of a, a lumping kind of thing. But a lot of these injuries using the athlete's body's response to heal the athlete's problems. So cortisone, a lot of these things, you know, they're they're out. They're they're with your snakeskin wallet or whatever. <laughs> but these other things are going to be using your ability to heal, and these monoclonal antibodies or these stem cells to heal things where your body's just getting an augment or a push. And I think that's where this is headed. And I think we're looking at injuries completely differently than we ever have. So I think the way to look at an injury 
first of all, everyone in sports going to get hurt. If you mm. play NFL football, you play Major League Baseball. I mean, a few guys go through their career and never get hurt. You talk about outliers. They're outliers. But everyone's going to get hurt at some level. So it's our job to figure out what that weakness is, you know, what's going to get hurt, number one. And number two, how can we strengthen the area that has this propensity? And that data is going to be very real to us. So you're going to hear people say in the next couple of years, in the offseason, we did all this biomechanical testing and so-and-so has a 26% chance of tearing his labrum. Mm-hmm. And so this is what we're going to do. You know, I know you're going to try to knock me out in the third round. So in the third round, I'm ready for you. And so that's what that's where I think you're going to see medicine going. But I think you're going to see a lot of uh, headway in 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 these biologic treatments. And I think that's that's going to be groundbreaking in terms of the sports fan and for the doctor or the sports doctor probably not most doctors, but the sports doctors, it's going to be said, hey, this is something we've been working on for the last four or five years. How many guys are doing that now? Nobody. Well, we are. Uh, yeah. Probably a few guys. Yeah, but you're going to see it a lot more, obviously. Like if, I mean, but, but it's going to become the standard, just like the internal brace. You know, when, when it first came out and we started doing them, people were like, you're doing what? <laughs> I said, well, you know, to me it makes sense. And, and we use it on the MCL, the inside ligament in the knee, and we mm-hmm. augment our ACLs with it, and we augment our rotator cuffs because tendon strength is tendon strength. So if we can make it stronger and we can rehab it faster and there's less propensity for it to tear, you know, let's give it a ride. Wow, that's that's fascinating stuff. And should I ice my ankle or no? You should ice your ankle. Okay, there you go. I'm good. <laughs> I listen, doctor, I've done a lot of these I've done a lot of these over my career. This might be the best one. So I appreciate well, that. Yeah, it was really fascinating. And I love I love the evolution of it. I love the insight. So just thank you so much for, for joining us. And a T-shirt and sweatshirt are on the way. So there you go. Well, we, we love it. And, you know, let's do it again. I mean, it's – it's, and, you know, we, we can talk about injuries as they come. But I, I, think, I think it's interesting. Fans really like, – like when the patients come in – They'll say, hey, I know you saw so-and-so was in the paper. To, you know, tell me. People have just a real interest. But I think the interest really is, you know, how that can impact them. Maybe their son who's a pitcher or their daughter who's a soccer player. Or, you know, so if, if, if Steven Strasburg has TOS, thoracic outlet syndrome, how, how am I going to avoid my son from getting that? And so I, I, think, I think it rings true to a lot of people because, you know, it hits home in their family. No, it's so true. And like I said, I, I'm covering this. You you hear these terms, and I think the general public hears these terms. When they hear UCL, they know what UCL is now, which is, you know, we're, we're half a percent on the way to a medical degree. There you go. <laughs> All right. But thank, thank you so much. My pleasure. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field, and then I, uh, I look over at my dad, and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.